I know that you just came through uh, a series on, on Philippians. Uh, and a couple weeks ago when I was talking to Don, he, and when he asked me to come and speak, uh, I said, I've got this great uh, message that I recently gave on Philippians. He goes, oh, we're in a series on Philippians. We'll be done with it by then, but uh, you can go ahead with that. So this is going to kind of, I don't know if he ended last week on this, but we're going to kind of, uh, we're going to kind of uh, go back around to one of the most uh, popular, maybe famous uh, passages in the New Testament. In fact, many of you, uh, like myself, maybe you memorized this verse uh, as you were growing up, maybe in Sunday school. Um, we, we've had this, you've, if not, you've probably had this on a coffee mug or a, a poster with a beautiful Arizona sunset or with kittens on it. And it's simply this, Paul writing to the Philippians saying, I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians what? 4.13. See, somebody, not only did you have to memorize the verse, you had to memorize where it was found, right? That You didn't get your star unless you did that, right? Uh, now, as, as I was reflecting on this, on this verse recently, um, I was thinking, is it really true? Can we really do all things through Christ who gives us strength? I mean, are we going to, you know, defy the gene pool that we're swimming in? <laughs> you know, am I going to, is it possible that I could dunk a basketball like LeBron James? No, it's not. <laughs> Someone said, sure, why not? It's like, wow, there's a faith-filled person right there. You know, am I going to be able to, to ace a test on quantum physics without even studying, defying my gene pool? In fact, I don't think I could pass it if I studied for weeks and weeks. <laughs> I'm probably not going to be able to pull that one up. Am I going to be able to line up behind Carson Palmer and take a handoff and run for a touchdown for the Cardinals? No. It's not going to happen, right? Am I going to be able to... You know, climb Mount Everest tomorrow. No, probably not. So it's important, I think, for us to take a look at what the context that Paul was talking about when he said that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Now, whenever I, I read a passage or read a verse like that, it, it causes me to think, what just came before? What, what is Paul kind of putting you know, uh, a ribbon on, a, a bow on, uh, and this verse is a piece of a larger section of verses that, of course, he wrote to this church that he was so fond of. I want you to, if you brought your Bibles, or if you have a, a device and you can uh, you know, turn on that device and, and turn to Philippians, uh, the fourth chapter, we're going to take a look at some things that just went before this. Now, I, I want to see if you can pick out some of the things that perhaps maybe Paul is saying that we can do, you know, through Christ who gives us strength. So if you have a Bible, uh, open that up to uh, Ephesians 4. Or if you have a, uh, a phone or a, a tablet uh, and you want to open it, um, that'd be great. Starting with verse 2. Okay, we're going to start with verse 2. And it says this. Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, a couple of women in the church. Please, because you belong to the Lord... Settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. 
They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon, and don't worry about every, anything. Instead, pray about everything, and tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. And then you can experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, first of all, I think that the first thing that Paul is saying that we can do through Christ who gives us strength is this. Through Christ, we can love in spite of our differences. Through Christ, we can love in spite of our differences. Did you notice uh, this little conflict that was happening in this little church in Philippi? Uh, you know, it happens in, in a lot of churches, right? I mean, you start a church, people start gathering together, and we're humans, right? And so we have differences of opinion. We, we think differently. In fact, in other places in the New Testament, it says that some of us are hands, and some of us are feet, and some of us are eyes and fingers. We, we all have this, we all bring that shape to the body of Christ. We all bring something unique and different. And many of us think differently about different issues, we don't know what the conflict w was between Euodia and, and Syntyche. We don't, we don't know. It doesn't say. Maybe it was a small word that was spoken that they never could quite unpack. And then the silence just, you know, grew louder and louder. And they just couldn't speak anymore. Maybe uh, one or both of them began to spread rumors about each other. That happens too in the church, doesn't it? And it was causing division in the church. And it was ruining their witness in the community. That was, that's what Paul was most concerned about. And it was an embarrassment to the gospel. And it hindered the work that they were trying to accomplish. And what Paul began with them. But Paul believed that they could love in spite of their differences. He believed that they could do what Jesus taught us to do. To pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. It's the radical gospel to pray for those who you are in disagreement with. He believed that they could and should forgive each other as Christ had indeed forgiven them. I, I live in a, t a little town uh, called uh, Fountain Hills. And recently, 
Uh, how many of you have ever been to Fountain Hills? All right, cool. You've been to the fountain, right? You've seen the fountain go off, right? Um, and uh, so um, recently, though, I saw it popping up all through our community in front of different churches, churches that, that were not connected in any way. It said, progressive Christianity, fact or fiction. I was like intrigued because the Presbyterian church had a banner out in front of theirs and the Catholic church and, and a little Assembly of God church and all these different churches, the Baptist church. And so I went online, I, I looked up what was, what was going on and it, apparently there was a church, there is a church in Fountain Hills that they felt what was not teaching all of the truth. And so these eight churches ganged up on this one church. And they began to preach and do a series condemning this church and its leader and its people. And I thought to myself, how sad. How sad is that? It's a Euodia and Syntyche kind of situation, right? I mean, they don't see eye to eye. And so it causes this division in our community. I asked some people, hey, what do you think about these banners? Now, some of my uh, unchurched friends didn't even notice them. <laughs> you know, and that's probably most of them. But a couple of them, they kind of looked at me and said, yeah, what's that about? I wondered about that. A couple of them had even researched it themselves. And they said, isn't that just like Christians? The Christians can't even get along. So it ruins the witness. Now, there's a lot that's been happening over the summer, hasn't there? <laughs> Supreme Court decisions, and there's, there's um, you know, the shooting in Charleston. And, and there's, there's still rampant racism, it seems, not only in our streets, but oftentimes in our churches. There, there's, there's, a lot hap- there's a lot of differences between us, right? And I think Paul is saying here, when he says, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, I think one of the things he's saying is, we can love each other in spite of our differences. We don't all have to agree or, you know, have the party line on every issue known to man. We can come together and we can worship as one and still have some differences of opinion, right? Some people believe that, you know, Jesus is coming back before a tribulation, some after, some mid. Some of us just believe he's going to come back. <laughs> you know? And these are some things that I think probably they were talking about in the church in Philippi also. Some of the things that were, were dividing them and splitting them. In Jesus Christ, we can love in spite of our differences. Bob Goff, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Goff, who's written a little book called Love Does. He says this in that book, it will be love, not our opinions, which will be our greatest contribution to the world. We, we think it will be the stands we take and our opinions. It won't be. It will be the love that we show. I saw recently a, a church had a, uh, uh, a flyer for an upcoming series, and it said, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, and it had crossed out the sinner, hate the sin, and just had love. That's what we've been called to do. In fact, Jesus, remember, Jesus said to us, 
they will know that you are followers of mine because you have strong opinions, take stands, because you're a Republican? No. Because you have love for one another. Democrats can love Republicans, right? D-back fans can love Dodger fans, right? <laughs> now, okay, now see, my, my son, who I raised here in the great state of Arizona, about 10 years ago, he moved to Los Angeles. And he said to me, Dad, he goes, I'm becoming a Dodgers fan. I was like, where have I failed as a parent? Oh, God. He actually worked for the Dodgers for a while. He was kind of like a little intern. He got to meet Tommy Lasorda. So that, you know, he's kind of starstruck. And, uh, you know, wears an L.A. Dodgers cap. Now, I raised him also an A's fan because I grew up in Sacramento. And uh, so he's kind of torn A's, Dodgers, A's, Dodgers. I told him, I said, I said, son, I said, okay, I guess I can accept that you're a Dodgers fan now. But if you ever become a Lakers fan... I will disown you as my son. He said, Dad, don't worry. I'll always be a son's fan. I'm like, hallelujah. You two fans can love Jason Aldean fans, right? <laughs> Somebody goes, who are, they? who are they? It's ironic that Euodia, her name means beautiful words. Sintiki means coming together. I wonder if Paul was saying, please, ladies, live up to the meanings of your names. Come together and speak beautiful words to one another. We can love in spite of our differences because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's not always easy in the church. It's not always easy in the home or in the workplace or at school, is it, to love in spite of our differences? You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but one community church is, is, a, is a part of a, of a larger uh, group of churches, not only in our state, but in our country and in our world, called the Church of God. Uh, we have a uh, college and university in Anderson, uh, Indiana. Uh, and one of our hallmarks, at least it's supposed to be one of our hallmarks, has been the unity of believers. We believe that God speaks most powerfully and loudly through a unified church. Through a unified church. Not a, a church that's divided. I'm talking about both locally and nationally and globally. But a church that is united. So that's the first thing I think Paul tells us. That we can, because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can love in spite of our differences. Secondly, I hope you picked this up in, in the passage that, that we read. Um, through Christ, we can live through anxiety. In one translation of the verses that I read, it says this, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what I'm not talking about is an anxiety disorder, a diagnosable mental disorder that can be treated by doctors, therapies, and medication, and it should be. 
What I'm talking about is a general anxiousness, worrying, worrying about the what-ifs of life, the discomfort caused by our mind racing faster than our mouth or our logic, (laughs) worrying about things that we can't control or what we don't know or what could happen. There are people that are debilitated by the the what-ifs, what could happen. I'm not talking about a disorder. I, I had someone uh, a month or so ago when I, when I gave this message at, at uh, our church, I had a lady come up to me in tears. And she said, thank you so much for saying that. Whenever that passage is preached, I always feel guilty and shame because I have an anxiety disorder. I have moments uh, where I'm so anxious that I can't function. I'm trying to work on it through therapy and, and meds, and it, that doesn't always work. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm talking about is this general sense of, oh, no, something bad is going to happen. Now, the Bible's not silent on this topic, folks. Here are a few things, a few of the ways I see the Bible speaking to our anxiousness. First of all, we are cared for. We're cared for. Often in the church, and I think this is what this uh, woman was telling me, what she was saying to me, uh, often in the church, worry and anxiousness uh, are condemned. It's almost taboo to talk about it. Those who bring it up are frequently, frequently offered quick solutions and spiritual cliches, right? Have more faith. Well, God's in charge. Or this is really helpful. Just stop it. (laughs) If everybody say that to you, just stop it. The Bible, though, as I read it, is gentle towards those who are anxious and who worry. Peter, who probably had some anxious moments, especially there towards the end, (laughs) getting stoned, yeah, Um, he said this, cast all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Cast all your worries, all of your anxiousness upon him because he cares for you. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus calls all those who are weary and burdened to come to him. The invitation was there to come to him. Those who are worrying and burdened, anxious, come to me. Come. He did not stiff arm them and say, have more faith. My father's in charge. Just stop it. He said, come to me. Rest here with me. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. We don't have a God who stares at us from a distance, eyebrows raised, arms crossed, waiting for us to figure this all out. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up the wounds. I love the imagery of Psalm 56. It says this, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle, and you have recorded each one of them in your book. I don't know about you, but I'm older than most of you in here, and I've shed a lot of tears. There's a big bottle in heaven with some of my tears in them. Because the promise is that God takes those. He doesn't forget those moments, people. We are cared for. He is tender towards those 
who find themselves in anxious moments and in situations that they don't know what to do. I think God is far more gracious and gentle and tender towards our hearts than we understand. Also, though, God is faithful. We can, we can stop, you know, the what ifs or, you know, this gloom and doom because we know that God is faithful. In Lamentations 3, it says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. We, we don't sing a lot of hymns in the last two or three churches that I've served in. Um, and one of the hymns that I'm so sorry we don't sing much anymore is, Great is your faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, your hands have provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Anybody ever sing that hymn, old hymn? Okay, so thank you. Whew, man, it worried me there for a moment. The next time you feel worried, anxious, take some paper or take your tablet and write down all the ways that the Lord has been faithful to you through the years. I did this back in 2008. My wife and I, we planted a church about two months after your church was planted. I don't know how many of you have been here from the beginning, but there's a lot of anxious moments those first few months and those first couple years in church planting. And in 2008, if you were here, you know that our funding was completely taken away from us because our, our parent, uh, our, the, the head of our, our uh, CMA, Church Multiplication Association, uh, it was the height of the uh, recession, and they ran out of money. We, ha we had about eight days to figure it out. And I remember feeling so scared and anxious. And a, a word from the Lord came to me. This may sound kind of odd to you. But a word from the Lord came to me and said this. Jeff, when was the last time you missed a meal? <laughs> I mean, look at me. You know, hey. It's been a while. Unless I've chosen to miss a meal. But more importantly, what he was saying is, Jeff, haven't I been faithful to you up till now? Why not in the future? In the future that's ahead for you. We stayed another four years, and God proved himself to be faithful over and over again. He's been faithful to one community church, hasn't he? Come on now. Come on. We don't have to be anxious. Because God is faithful. But also, because we are never alone. Something that always strikes me in the way the Lord's Prayer begins, it says, Our Father. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he said this. Start it like this. Our Father. Not my Father. This wasn't about just you. He's, he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father. Two words that can calm the anxious heart. Father, of course. We have a Father in heaven. But that idea of, of our. 
We're not meant to go through scary, anxious moments alone. We are in this together. We can do all things through Christ because he has given us his church, God's people, to come alongside of us. In his book, not a fan, Kyle Eidelman, uh, tells a story of when he was a church planter. He was feeling overwhelmed and anxious, like every church planter does, uh, and he wasn't sleeping at night. And when the church was about a year old, late on a sleepless night, he had this strange feeling that God was laughing at him. <laughs> Why was God laughing at me? In fact, he got a little bit angry as he tells the story in his book. Fast forward five years later. They were moving into a new house, and he had this heavy desk to move. He said, I was pushing and pulling with all my might. I could barely just inch it forward by myself. My four-year-old son came and asked if he could come help me. So together we started sliding it across the floor as, you know, inches at a time. He was pushing and we were grunting as we inched along. Finally he looked at me and he said, Dad, I think you're in the way. And then he tried to push it himself, and of course it wouldn't budge. I realized that he thought that he was doing all the work of the pushing by himself. He said, I couldn't help but laugh. And the moment I started laughing, he said, I recalled five years earlier when God was laughing at me. And this thought came into mind. I, I thought I was planting this church all by myself. But there was people that were gathering beside me, helping me plant this church. And God himself was there, coming alongside of me also. Something happens when you realize you're not alone. You begin to believe, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what I think Paul is talking about in these verses. Third thing. Through Christ, we can link our thinking and our doing. We can link our thinking and our doing. Did you catch this? Verses 8 and 9. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, some of us would like it if he had stopped right there. I just get to think. I just get to think about great things. That's what the Christian life's about. Just thinking about great things. Then Paul says, and then keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. And then the God of peace will be with you. Thinking about doing something isn't doing something. Doing something is doing something. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we had a first-time visitor. I kind of contact all of our first-time visitor, visitors. I'm kind of the connections pastor. So if someone marks on their envelope, first-time visitor, they get a call from me in that week. And I always ask this question. So what, what caused you uh, not only to visit us, but then to, you know, check that you'd like to, you know, become a part of our, of our church, of our body here. He said, well, two things. First of all, you were talking about the Dominican Republic trip that the group had just come back from, and then you're talking about a Mexico mission, a weekend missions. I know one, uh, maybe some of you have been down uh, to Rocky Point, done weekend missions, that we're going to do in October. He said, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that isn't just talking, but they're walking, too. 
That's the kind of church that will transform the Santan Valley and the Queen Creek area when you are living out the calling that God has placed upon you. It's why for 25 years as a youth pastor, I took kids on short-term mission trips. Took them all over the world. I had a parent one time say, wouldn't it be better if you just like did all the fundraisers, raised all the money, and just sent it to the missionaries overseas? I said, it might be, but that's not the point for me. He said, well, what is the point? I said, the point for me is that I'm trying to make your kid into a missionary. He re- no, it didn't. He reacted to me about just how you just did. But then I explained to him, it's, it's not necessarily that I want your kid to be an overseas missionary, although that may happen. I want your kid to know that they're on mission, wherever they're at. Oh, okay. I get it then. <laughs> Jason Brown was the highest paid center in the National Football League. He played for the St. Louis Rams. In late 2011, he had a wife two kids, a mansion, and two fully stocked bars, as he tells the story. But he and his wife were dying inside. They were likely headed for divorce. They were professed Christians, but they had to admit that their relationship with Jesus was just a ticket to heaven. They weren't even trying to live it out. He remembers the day that things began to change, for him and for them as a family. He started by pouring out thousands of dollars of expensive liquor, And his contract was up with the Rams, and three more NFL teams were knocking on his door with more lucrative offers. He turned them all down, sold their mansion, and he bought a farm in North Carolina with a hundred-year-old farmhouse and a, a thousand acres. He said, I became a farmer. I learned everything off of YouTube. I had never farmed before. Did you know you can learn how to be a farmer on YouTube now? I didn't know that. And now he and his wife are living out their faith. What they grow, they give everything away. Last year, 10,000 pounds of cucumbers and 100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes grow well in Carolina. And Jason sums up his life this way. Obedience brings sweet joy. (laughs) I love that line. When I heard him say that, it was a NFL network, you know, I was getting into the, you know, to hear him say that, obedience brings sweet joy. Obviously, in his years in the NFL, he had, you know, some lucrative contracts. I know some of you, hey, he was able to save a bunch of it, buy a farm, whatever. But he was, but he walked away from more lucrative contracts to follow Christ. What I want to say to you is this. There will always be an inner discord of the Spirit whenever we don't link up our thinking with our doing. There just will be. There'll be that that place inside of us where we go, I'm not living this thing out. And Paul is saying, you can do that. You can think and do. Because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And then lastly, I know we're about out of time. Through Christ, we can learn contentment. We can love in spite of our differences. We can live through our anxieties. We can link our thinking and doing. And we can learn contentment. I have learned, Paul says, the secret of living in every situation, 
whether it is with a full stomach or empty, plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mark Batterson, in his book, The Circle Maker, he talks about the manna that God provided each day for the Hebrews wandering in the wilderness. Remember that? Remember that part of the story? Um, on the Sabbath, they could collect two days' worth, right? But the other days, if they tried to collect too much and stash a little bit, right, what would happen? It would go foul, right? It would go. It would spoil. It would stink. I know if I was one of those Israelites wandering the wilderness, I'd be one trying to stash some in a back pocket, you know? Save it for a rainy day, right? That's what my grandma taught me. Don't spend all that dollar I just gave you. (laughs) Save some for a rainy day. Save some for tomorrow. Mark Batterson talks about this, and he says, God always gives us just enough, just in time. Just enough, just in time. We want God to provide more, so we need him less. Let me say that again. We want God to provide more so that we need him less. And i got to tell you that I think God likes us on our knees right there before him daily. That's the lesson of the manna, just enough and just in time. Paul said, I have learned what it means to be content. Aren't you glad he said, I have learned? (laughs) I think the implication is, I'm still learning. It's a learning process, right? We, we still have this. Have you seen this, this TV show, Hoarders? All of us have a little bit of that in us, right? Where we want to hoard everything. I think God says, live with open hands. I'll provide just enough and just in time. A few verses after um, the I can do all things verse, we read what I believe is the greatest promise in the Bible, probably secondary, second only to John 3.16, where we're promised the Son. And it's this, verse 19. So just six verses after I can do all things. And this same God, who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Oh, we may not be able to dunk a basketball or climb Everest or get an A in quantum physics, but people we can love in spite of our differences. The people that God brings our way and in our community. We can can live even though there are anxious moments. We can link our thinking and doing. We can learn to be content. This morning, we're going to have a a final song. There's communion uh, back here. Um, some of you may just want to take some, some moments to, to uh, commune with Jesus. Maybe, maybe to give over, uh, you know, an area of your life where perhaps maybe you've been holding back. Uh, there's also a prayer station over here. You can just kneel, uh, write out a, a prayer on a card, and, and leave it in the box. That'd be awesome. Um, again, really good to be with you all uh, today. I am praying for one. Uh, I know God has a marvelous future for this body. I can't wait to hear how God impacts this area.